You are now in the Corn Roof Podcast, a sports podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here is your host, Jared Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Roof Podcast. I am your host, Jared Klim, alongside my sidekick, Mr. Kev. And today, for the third time, joining us is our man from Bleacher Report and Barstool, host of the Section 10 Podcast, Mr. Steve Peral. Steve, how you doing, buddy? I am doing phenomenal. I'm honored, honestly, to be a three-time guest. This is a huge deal, and uh, I just got to live up to this, though. If you're a, th- if you're a third-time guest, you got to be amazing, so I'm going to try to live up to it. Yeah, looking at looking at you, KJ and Zach Max, step up next time. <laughs> um, all right, so boys, you guys are both Boston guys. I gotta ask first, starting off, the big news. I'm sitting relaxed on Sunday. I'm drinking a beer. I just got back from camping. I'm de like I'm de cleaning myself and everything else. And I see on my phone as I'm driving. Oh, Cam Newton's a Patriot, and I get a text from Kev. I get a text from my cousin. I get a text from like, eight different Patriots fans, and I'm just like spinning. But my first reaction straight up, and I'll let you guys come in on this, is I was happy because I wanted Cam to get signed for three months. I think he's still a top 15 quarterback, top 20 at the worst. I'd still rather have him like Dak Prescott. And the thing is, nobody, if anybody can take what he's got left in the tank and make it work, it's Belichick. Yeah. If he's willing to work, which I think he is. He posted a workout every 45 fucking seconds. So... <laughs> Uh, Steve, I'll let you take first dibs on this one. What did you think when Cam signed with New England? Yeah, first off, I want to talk about the workout videos. So I'm always curious as to, like, who puts these together because Cam Newton's guy is very good at doing these videos. Whoever he has, if it's a whole crew and whatnot, I was ready to go, and I didn't even know where he was going to end up. This is before the Patriots thing. I was like, I want this guy to do, you know, very well based off the fact that he's got like a 12-pack and Kanye's playing in the background. But I am very excited for him in New England. I think there was no way I was going to be able to get pumped about Jarrett Stidham being the quarterback. That's just, it wasn't going to happen. Any any Patriots fan that was going to try to act like they were pumped for Jarrett Stidham at QB is just full of it. So uh, both Auburn guys, so I'm sure they can play off of that. And he's he's exciting. At the end of the day, Cam Newton is going to be somebody that you turn your TV on to watch. I mean, in theory, we're going to watch all the Patriots games regardless, but I'm excited for it. And I just want to see how he gets embraced by Pats fans because we'll love him in theory. But I can already see sports radio being like, this guy sucks. Like, I, I, I'm ready for the people to flip out over the most minute things like the font he uses on Instagram or just other, you know, stupid stuff. So until that happens, I think everyone's going to be on board. But um, I love the mood and or the move rather, and I'm I'm excited. Kev, uh, <clears throat> I am one of those people who hates the font he used on Instagram. <laughs> I said I, Elvish. I sent his story where he said hashtag Let's Go Pats, and it, to Jerry said, okay, he could stop this font now. <laughs> but I, I, it doesn't impact how I think he'll do on the field. I hate Cam Newton. He went to Auburn. He got paid to go to Auburn, so I hate him for that. Being an Alabama grad. But Jared didn't like my prediction for this. 12-4, and four, AFC East champs, pushing for a first-round bye. That is very aggressive. Game. Also, you, you got to factor in that they're going to play. That That's like, until I can actually see how football is going to work. Like, I love how we're trying to make it seem, and Goodell and all these, you know, everybody's trying to make it seem like, oh, you know, we're on schedule. and every, How are they going to play football? 
with a pandemic going on, with the way this virus spreads, how do you play football? I mean, we saw their Halo 3 masks. They were like those concept masks. And apparently those were leaked from somebody in the NFL office. But I'm more optimistic. If there is a league that can move heaven and earth to play football, it is the NFL. We clearly see baseball and basketball kind of stumble out the gate trying to figure their life out. But football is just kind of like, all right, we'll stream the draft. It'll be all remote. It'll still, you know, it's highest rated draft in history. The, the NFL, everything it touches turns to at least gold or silver, where everything sometimes every other league touches can just go to crap. So I really feel that if there's any league who can figure this out, it is the NFL because they don't mind dipping deep, digging deep to go get the resources to make football happen. And yeah, it's going to be tricky though. It's going to be tricky. Like I, I you know, cases are going to start coming in, and it's a sport that unlike baseball or um, even like tennis, where you just can't like stay away from people. Like you need to be all over your opponent just mm-hmm. to succeed. So it's going to be interesting to see how they pull that off. But uh, Patriots wise, 12 and four, I think is aggressive. Um, I love it, but I think it is a little aggressive. I'm aiming for more of the 10 and six, 11 and five ballpark. I think I'd be comfortable with that. All right. My prediction, first of all, I'll make it a proclamation, Kev. For the first time ever, I will be rooting for the New England Patriots in most of their games this year. Wow, what time in my life. Even when I dated a Patriots fan, I still rooted against them. (laughs) I am pulling for the Patriots because I want to see Cam Newton work. I would love to see Belichick change the offense and make it all crazy read option. Using my boy out of the the, the Hurricanes, Jeff Thomas, running go routes. That boy can fly. Just watch. Um, My prediction is 9-7, and and they're going to be a wild card team. I still think the Bills have a better roster. And it's kind of a crapshoot who you take at quarterback between him and Josh Allen. Similar skill sets. But when it comes to head coach, you know, you got to give the edge to Belichick. But defense, the Bills is just right behind the, the, the Patriots. But they have a better offensive personnel. So I'll take the Bills in the division going like 11-5, and 10-6. But the Patriots can be nipping at their heels the entire season. And when they get into the playoffs with Cam, everyone's still going to like shake in their boots a little bit when they got to play him in the first round. Because it's Belichick in the playoffs. Yeah, I'd be shaking in my boots anytime they played the Panthers. Cam's 2-0 and against the Pats. That was never an easy game. He's never an easy quarterback when he's healthy to take down. He's a guy that's elusive. That The power that Newton has is ridiculous. He can make guys look so foolish to the point that I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback just destroy defenders the way he does. Obviously, he's 31 now. It's not like he's you know in his first couple of years in the league coming out of Auburn. But... I'm just excited to see what he has uh, to give because he should be fully healthy. In theory, he should be fully healthy. He says he is. All these guys love saying that they're, I've never felt better. It's like, no, I'm sure you felt better when you were 22, (laughs) you know, than when you're 31. Let's not, you know, BS to that extent. But I am excited to see what he's going to be like in New England. And uh, (coughs) yeah, it's, it's, if you're an AFC East team, dude, you got to be like, really? Like, come on. Like, this is, like, really? We got to deal with, with the Patriots potentially winning the division again without Tom Brady? As is, you know, Matt Castle should have led them to the division crown at 11-5 and five in 2008, but that wasn't good enough to get the job done. But if I'm an AFC East fan, I'm like, this is just never going to end. Bill's going to be, like, 100, and they're just gonna, they're going to have, like, Trevor Lawrence or something. They'll, they'll find a way. The Pats will find a way uh, to get it done. But the, all the tanking for Trevor Lawrence garbage, that was really just headline grabbing. There was... There was no scenario where the Patriots were going to tank. That was never going to happen. Anyone that was even alluding to that is an idiot. So, 
I feel like if it's week 17 and Bill Belichick has a chance for the number one overall pick, he's either going to play the mind games and just intentionally lose it, or he's going to try to blow out the other team just to win the game. (laughs) Yeah, he would do that. Granted, there's just no scenario in which they could be that bad. I don't think they would be that bad with Stidham. Like, the Patriots still have a lot of talent. Like, I understand you lose Van Noy, you lose Jamie Collins, I get it, but... That defense was still, you know, top of the line last year. Gilmore, Defensive Player of the Year. I'm pretty sure they've never had a Defensive Player of the Year until then. So I, it's the Pats are too good to tank for Lawrence. Anyone that mentioned that, I was like, what are you even talking about? It literally makes no sense. They're they're too good to be the the number one pick. Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about the linebackers just because Van Noy was a cast off from Detroit. Not exactly a good football team. And then Collins sucked when he went to Cleveland. I think yeah. Belichick can do. Just the same kind of stuff with Winovich and uh, Uchi, I think, the linebacker they just drafted out of Michigan. Yeah, but yeah, one yeah of my, he, can, he can make the most out of the least, so I'm not worried about it. One of my friends also wanted me to make this joke. He told it to me he, from high school. He said, look, we're all excited about uh, signing and excited for football with the Patriots again, and now the season's probably going to be Cam sold. That's terrible. Yeah, That's, he, he told me. I'm embarrassed the sentiment of it. I'm yeah. impressed. I'm impressed with how much that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, he was my best friend in high school, so I had to make it. But no, I think oh, I think the NFL is going to be fine. I think they're going to play because no other league is as good at denying medical facts as the NFL is. So exactly. I think they're just going to ignore Corona and just go on playing. Yeah, just say that these guys have the flu and they'll be fine in a couple of weeks. And um, kind of like MLB, they'll have a coronavirus DL maybe or whatever injured reserve. Yeah, IL. I, I'm going to call it DL forever. And yeah. who, by the way, who was like, this is so insulting to disabled people that based, who ever brought that up? Like, uh, <laughs> I they think it was it it it. are we living in now? Of course somebody was offended by it. No, I, I know, but I'm just saying, like, whoever did sucks. Cause I don't like, know if anyone what? did. I think they kind of saw the direction things are going. Like, in a couple years, someone's going to get offended by this and make a big yeah. deal about it. So we're just going to change it now. It did feel like a get ahead of it kind of thing because I I hear every baseball take. I did not hear a single person be like, guys, it's a little iffy that they call it the disabled list. It's like, no, you hear about the Indians and, you know, needing to change the name. You don't hear about disabled list. But anyway, the the IL, uh, which is a very, very woke way to look at it, Major League Baseball. Well done. Well, that was a perfect transition, actually, Steve, because I want to talk some baseball for the rest of the show. Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh my God! I I, I st- so I gotta ask because me and Kev have already duked it out about this on our live streams about the new rules. So 60 games, 40 divisional, 20 interleague, universal DH, which I'm a huge fan of. They moved the trade. I think they moved the trade block back a month. It was always July 31st, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's gonna yeah. be August 31st. Yeah. Yeah, August 31st now. And then the rule that has Kevin cringing: the automatic runner on second in extra inning games. I've gone back and forth. I've gone back and forth. And it's something that I agree with you initially. I was so against it that I think this was pitched a, a couple of years ago. If I'm not mistaken, even like 2017 might have been the first time I heard the whole like, oh, and they might Major League Baseball might uh, actually start extra innings with a runner at second. One thing that Major League Baseball is great at doing is floating ideas that don't happen for like 30 years. Because like, I mean, we still have obviously the universal DH I'm ecstatic about. But you're going to go right back to the pitchers hitting next year um, just based off of what's what the CBA is. So it's I'm OK with it because this is a funky season. 
And anyone that thinks this isn't going to be looked at as like a weird World Series winner is crazy. Like, I know the easy take is to be like, whoever wins this World Series title earned it. And and they should be looked at the same way as the other ones. No, they shouldn't. You win a World Series or whoever does is going to win one in like a third of a season. That I'm sorry, that's not nearly as impressive as winning a full Major League Baseball season <laughs> and title. So, and, you know, getting the piece of metal. Um, but, yeah, I just I, – I can't – Initially, I couldn't get behind it. Initially, I couldn't do the runner on second thing. But this year, I'm, I'm weirdly okay with it because it's already a funky season. Might as well have a, a guy at second to start the extra innings. I mean, I, I'm i just afraid that if some fans go like, oh, I actually liked it, they're going to do it going forward. Yeah, they probably like, will. I like the universal DH because, yeah, baseball purists or whatever they like to call themselves now don't like it. But the guy still has to get into the box and get on base or get a home run. They have to do something. The guy automatically on second doesn't have to do anything to get there. And that's why I'm against it. I mean, I I look at the Universal DH I was so hyped about because for some reason my Diamondbacks have always had a hitter that could hit, a pitcher that could hit. He, he goes as far back as Micah Owings when I was a kid. Now we've got Mad Bum who hits moonshots from the from the plate. But now I get to have Jake Lamb play every day as a DH because the guy can't play third base anymore, apparently. So I'm fine with it. I mean, I'll, I'll be welcome back to what you, you AL guys love, where you don't have to worry about your ninth guy in the lineup just getting smacked around like in the by a pitcher. It's going to be nice actually saying, oh, here comes our ninth batter. Oh, it's Jake Lamb or it's Eduardo Escobar. Cool. I'm not going to get a strike automatically. We actually have a shot at scoring runs here. The 60 games to me is kind of throw it's gonna throw me off, and I do admit it's going to be like oh it's a kind of an asterisk World Series, which sucks because my team is usually one of the hottest teams at the break every year, and that means we'll make the playoffs. But then if we don't if we win the World Series, I'm gonna have to hear for the next 10 years of my life, yeah you guys won a World Series, but it's it, it there's an asterisk on. I'm just like oh. it's. This is going to be weird. I'm just happy baseball's back. That's just what it really comes down to. I will take this Miller Lite opposed to a craft IPA version of this season, and I will accept it because, you know, it's something. I think once we finally get a – once we get a game, once there's, like, real games happening, because we still have, uh, what, three weeks? we still got, like, three-plus weeks to get through until the actual games start, and there's not going to be any spring training games, which I think is the right way to go about it. Once we actually get real baseball, I think then we can be excited. But right now, as we're saying on the podcast, baseball is back-back. It's not back-back-back-back, as Chris Berman would say. It's just back-back right now. Once we finally get to the four backs, I think we can be fully excited. But until then, it's uh, it's promising. I'm still – like, I feel like everyone got super excited initially at the Heyman tweet – being like they're close to a deal. I'm like, you guys got to relax. It's John Heyman, who is just, to me, his credibility has just taken an enormous nosedive over the last few seasons. Because um, then, obviously, the deal wasn't done. Uh, and then when baseball was back, everyone flipped out as if like the games are actually back. Again, we're not back yet. I think once we finally have games going on, okay, then you can be excited. But uh, I'm still, I'm like cautiously pessimistic, which is really obnoxious. But that's just kind of where I'm at. I mean... When it comes, I, I, I'm almost the opposite because I've, I've been like pessimistic a lot because, you know, this COVID thing and being an essential worker, I really just had to go out, you know, strap a mask on for work every day. And it's just, it's a little bit of a kind of a knock. And by the way, that's the second time on this podcast 
Steve and us have ripped John Heyman. So we're <laughs> gonna put that one up on the tally board as well. Put it on the board, yeah. Oh my god, what was the what were we ripping for last time? Was it um? He tweeted. It was, uh, it was, well, it, I think it was his like his grammar is just the worst. Like for a guy that can get some of the biggest scoops in the baseball world, he'll just do like three words that are all have typos, and that could that could be like Trout signing like a bajillion dollar deal. Like to him, it'll be like fish, uh, agree, money, and it's like thanks, Heyman. That's <laughs> That's a huge help, but in theory, he really means that Mike Trout signed the biggest deal in baseball history. But that's why I love Jeff Passan, because he like knows how to use words and he's smart. See, see Jared, Jared can't get mad at people for spelling mistakes because I make fun of Jared constantly because he's illiterate. And actually, <laughs> Jared, here's your birthday present right here. <laughs> nice little dictionary for you. It's I want you to read. A letter a night. So, like, Monday, go through A. Tuesday, B, and just do that until you get through the whole dictionary. It'll make me editing your stuff a lot easier. I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> Every time, man. Even our live streams, he'll go, yeah, he'll put up a little banner that says, Jared is illiterate. I'm not illiterate. My my lack of spelling and grammar ability plus my evil iPhone spell check are in cahoots against me. I will... I would look like to point out, though, that an inability to spell is a sign of illiteracy. Like, the two go hand in hand. If you I can't can actually spell, read, though. That's the difference. Are you yeah, sure? There's, there's, there is a big difference there. But I, the one thing I'll back you with here, Siri is Siri can really be the worst. Like, I'll, I'll be very clearly typing out, like, I'm going to get ice cream, and it somehow turns into, like, I think I'm going to scream, and, you know, there's, like, someone in the shower. It's like, no. Siri, I'm getting ice cream. I'm not getting, you know, knife to death in the showers. So there's, there are things that really get lost in translation, but I do hate when a word that you very clearly are trying – there's sometimes, too, where you're just very obviously trying to type a word, and it keeps changing it to the wrong one. It's like, stop doing that. I, I clearly fixed it three times. Stop going back to the one I don't want. So I'll, I'll have an argument um, with, a, with a lady in my phone, which really means we're all crazy. I mean, listen, I, I changed her accent twice already. I really just <laughs> – I, I can't stand her sometimes. My best was after I um, – Kev, for the well, – I, I lost my license back in, like, November. So, Kev, when I got it back, was routinely almost like a mother would be telling me, make sure you're not texting. Jerry, why are you texting me? You're driving. I'm like, Kevin, I'm voice texting you through Siri. Can't you tell how crappy the grammar is? Big no, difference. first off, I couldn't see a difference. Also, when you're texting with Siri, it says under it, sent with Siri, and I never got those. It's a oh, fair text. Yeah, I've never had that happen, even when I voice, I voice texted somebody. It, it does that for me. Maybe your phone's just special. I'm not sure. Or maybe you were just texting and driving. I was not because I drive like an old man now because I'm not, that was the worst month of my life. Um, So – we're all in agreement, though. The universal DH is a great thing. I really do hope that uh, – I know that they're probably going to not go back to it next year, but, Steve, isn't the CBA up in a few years, though? It's got to be almost at its end at this point. I believe two years, yeah. So it's – I've been saying this for years, and there are certain takes, and I'm sure you guys have had similar ones, where you're just so proud of. You're like, I was on the right side of baseball history here. Like, the pitcher's hitting is so stupid. It is mind-numbingly stupid. It makes literally no sense. These guys spend so much of their lives perfecting the pitching craft, 
and then you have to, you know, you got what two one game in the sixth, and you have to take out your ace because he just you can't have him in there. You need it. You need a guy that can actually hit to try to give you the lead. So I despise it. I know a lot of guys, and I feel like people try to get Twitter points all the time. And one thing that people try to get Twitter points with is uh, is like, oh no, it's it's you know, it's the original version of the game. This is how baseball was meant to be. Pitches hit it. Like, just set, listen to yourself. Like, what, what, are we going to go with basketball? Are we going to go back to, like, the peach hoop? Because that's how it was, like, meant to be. Like, you initially had to go get the ball every time. You Like, what are you talking about? It drives me insane when people just, like, try to, you know, make the excuse that it was, like, built this way and meant to be this way. No, like, this is, why do you think the American League has had the DAs for so long? It, it makes way more sense to have all hitters in your lineup in your professional baseball lineup, hitters hitting, and then the pitchers pitch. Very simple, but the fact that the National League hasn't transitioned over yet is insane. Universal DH is going to be way better. I think I like the people who bring up like Babe Ruth too. Like, oh, Babe Ruth was a pitcher. Okay, he was good at hitting too. No pitcher today is that good at hitting. I know. Even Otani. Well, Otani gets hurt. So like, it's you can't. That's the thing. You can't use the outliers as like the excuse, and, and that's what. They always go back to like a Bumgarner or, um, you know, basically anybody that has any pitcher that has hit a home run. And they'll be like, see, like, I always hate that. Like, look, they could. Yeah. Occasionally they're going to run into one. They get a bunch of at bats like they're Like, I hate when that's the reason for people to say pitchers should be hitting. Hashtag pitchers who rake dumbest hashtag in baseball. Like, great. Hashtag pitchers who once in a thousand times hit a home run. That's really what it should be. So I want uh, pitchers to never hit again. And ideally, the universal DH will awaken some National League fan bases to how that's way more fun and just an easier experience as a fan. You don't, as, you don't want to be going through all these changes like, oh, so they – they took him out, and they got to bring this guy in, and they're shifting him over there. It's like no, just I feel like the names Ortiz. Oh yeah, exactly. JD Martinez, um, Victor Martinez. I, I could keep yeah. going. Great DA of Edwin Encarnacion. I was gonna say Edgar Martinez. All the Martinez. <laughs> yeah, right. If their uh, last name is Martinez, they're a DH. Exactly. Unless they're Pedro DH. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all you well, need. One thing, like crazy, like in the 2016 season, as a Diamondbacks fan alone, I saw. The only pitching hitting I, – I saw Granky hit his, you know, his little dribblers. He hits every three or four starts. And I'm like, that's cool. Opening day in 2016, I saw Bumgarner jack it twice off of Granky. And then at the end of the season, I saw Archie Bradley hit a moonshot at Chase Field for a triple. I'm like, done. I don't need more pitching hit. I don't need more pitchers hitting. I'm done. I've got it. Life complete. It's too, it's too, it's too much. I mean, it's – again, guys are going to run into one now and then. Uh, it's inevitable when you're swinging a piece of wood at a ball, you're going to hit it at some point. But I just, I can't stand, I really cannot stand the people that like bend over backwards to defend the pitchers hitting thing. It makes no sense. It's just like, what, what's the obvious thing? If you just plop someone on this planet right now, be like, what makes more sense? A lineup of all hitters or a lineup of eight hitters and a pitcher? Like it, it, all hitters, just do the smart thing and have a universal DH. So hopefully it sticks. I also just remember when I was a kid, Francisco Luriano getting his leg blown off basically when he hit the first base the wrong way. That, yeah. that his career his career was never the same after that. Dude, it happens. Like Stephen Wright with the Red Sox, you know, he had a ridiculous career on and off the field with the Sox, but he messed his uh, his leg up diving back or what was this? He jammed his hand, whatever. He got hurt. I don't. John Farrell pinch running a pitcher for a guy at second base. Any, it's anyway, that's a whole another story, but. 
Um, it's pitchers on the bases is so awkward, especially when they got the the winter coat on. <laughs> it just doesn't look it it's doesn't just, look athletic at all. It's just like so weird. It's like the punter <laughs> ran out so of the field forgetting his sweatpants are still on. Yeah, it doesn't it's like what are you are you lost? Like every time like I love when like Nesson will do this. Well Fox does a good job of this when if you got the bases loaded, they'll like pan into like each base and then they go to first and you got the pitcher with like this huge coat on. It's like what's going on at first base? That's oh weird. God. I I think pitchers hitting, there have been some cool moments with like big sexy hitting a home run. Stuff like that is entertaining, but I don't want a pitcher every game going up. I think if they do implement a full-on universal DH rule, they have to put a clause in there for guys like Otani and go, you don't have to have a DH. You can have your pitcher hit if you want, but you can also just use a DH. Yeah, give them the option. And I guarantee a lot of teams won't take it. That's the thing. A lot of fan bases love boasting about how their pitchers can hit. If your manager had the option to have a 220 hitter in there, he's going to do it over your pitcher so like get out of my face with this like no Baumgartner could really no no he's not a major league hitter he can occasionally hit balls in the major leagues he's not a major league hitter big difference oh yeah the even the batting average if you put that guy at you Baumgartner Granke who else is a pitcher who can rake um Thor there's not many there's not many Cindigar I don't even know but like you put them up and you make them play 162 games as a hitter, they would hit like below 100. I would I would bet money on it. That's Maybe. the thing. If you made them like an everyday, they just can't do it. So it's – and granted, mm-hmm. as a Red Sox fan, it's been a lot easier going from Ortiz to JD. I mean that's – the DH has benefited the Red Sox more than anybody, let's be real. But like it's still something that we've – if anything, we know – how great it can be to have a DH and how beneficial it can be to have a DH. So I, we, I just, Sox fans don't understand why anyone would be like, nah, let's just stick with the pitcher. (laughs) As a, as a fan of the national league, I will tell you this right now. Um, I've been screaming for a DH forever. I mean, yeah, it's cool. Like when you're playing MLB two, like, like MLB, the show, MLB 2k, like it's like, okay, yeah, cool. I get to do all these pitching changes with relievers. But then I played a game in, in an AL stadium and I was like, oh, that's why this isn't stupid. I can have Granky go eight innings or have Robbie Ray go eight innings and not have to worry about pulling a damn pitcher or getting my pitch hitters out unless there's a hitting matchup issue. And so, you can keep a rally going. That's another thing. Anytime I watch these interleague games, like in the NL stadium, like the amount of rallies that just get killed by like Ryan Dempster coming up to the plate, like it's it's the worst. A, so <laughs> I was gonna not that again. It was just the first guy that came to mind, yeah. but um. But, yeah, I, I just – I got no time for it. But, again, if games do happen this year, which I'll be very excited when that actually happens, it's going to be great. And I think a lot of NL fans are going to be like, oh, okay, this is what you guys were talking about all this time. This actually makes sense. It's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic for it. So we're going to switch up. I want to talk – like, Steve, what are, like – I'm going to throw out five things right now that possibly could happen because of the shortened season. The first one is – Mike Trout can make the playoffs finally. Is it possible with Soto, with Dad, who they had? They had so which which uh, guy from the National Day? Was it Soto or the other guy? No, they got uh they got what's his face Rendon. I can't think of his name right now. Rendon. Rendon, Rendon, yeah, third yeah. baseman. I couldn't think of his name right now. I knew he began with an R, and I'm like, he plays third base. He has an awesome beard. Well, I can't think of this right now. Um, between <laughs> super Trout, underrated, by the way, he's an absolute stud. Oh yeah, I know. I love I love watching the World Series last year. Between him, Otani, Trout, and and everything else they've got in that lineup, could they have a shot at making the playoffs finally? 
Oh, absolutely. That's the thing about this 60-game season. I feel like you can't really count many teams out, uh, except the Orioles. <laughs> the Baltimore is not making it, but basically everybody else, Orioles and Marlins, like have a fun offseason the second we get to the end of September. But um, that's one thing that I'm probably most excited about is that as is, I love the playoff format with the wild card playing game and um, just that opening up all these other teams to think that they have a legitimate chance because they do. Now with 60 games in that format, that's insane. You're going to have so many teams that especially come a, a trade deadline that's one month into the season, which I can't even fathom how insane that's going to be, especially if you can get a guy like Mookie Betts yeah. or, I mean, in theory, the Dodgers would never do that because they want to keep him there long term. But if you get a player like an absolute stud, that you only have to pay, what, 20 percent of his salary by the time the deadline comes around. Like that would be a steal, especially if you feel like you can get this funky World Series, like a team that thinks that they can really win this thing and really, you know, finalize a division title essentially at the trade deadline and make that move. It makes sense. It makes sense financially and it makes sense. Um, just for your overall team and your commitment level to to do that. So I think in theory, um, in theory, everybody has a chance, but it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see how many teams are actually within like three games with with three games to go. There's gonna be a ton. Oh yeah, I, have- I want to see the Orioles and the Marlins now go on a magical run, and I want that to be the World Series so badly, just because you said that they don't have a chance. They have no chance. It's not happening. The Angels have a way better chance. They do. And it's like the Mike Trout thing is so tough because I think it's died down a little bit. But like every baseball writer just loved got off at the fact that they got to write their five million page piece on why is Mike Trout not more popular? It's so easy. Why he's not more popular. He plays out west. He's boring as hell and his team stinks. Like I I love how we we love to dissect this like it's some not obvious thing to me it's very obvious why mike trout's not the face of baseball but we we love acting like it's some crazy why isn't he i don't know no it's obvious why he's not but i have a feeling some old school writers like to play off mlb fans like we're dumb but i i I mean you're right it's very it's very simple like if i showed you the only reason mike trout is known to my family is because he's at eagles games in the front row that's the only reason they know who Mike Trout is. Like, <laughs> That's right, well, he's from South Jersey too, so my you know, parents from Jersey. But he's seen more, yeah, he's seen more nationally in the in the yeah. Eagles games. I see him dapping up Zach Ertz after every Ertz touchdown. It's hysterical. I'm like, hey, there's Trout. Oh wait, he's actually here more than he's actually on the actual field now. <laughs> the most national FaceTime he gets is at Eagles games. <laughs> it, it, I have a, another bold prediction here, and this you could you could shoot this down if you want, both of you. I think a team like you, you know a perennial contender. I'm not going to name names, but there's a certain contender I have in mind, but there's a couple of them that start off slow every year. I'm talking the first 30 games of the season, they are atrocious. And we always like, this is the year they suck. This is the year, they, this is the year finally, like this team's going to fall off the face of the earth. There's going to be that one contender team that is going to start off slow. First 30 games, they're going to go like 2-20 and 20, and a 10-20 or like 15-35 and 35 going on the stretch. And they're going to have to literally scrape by just to get in. And they may not make the playoffs because of it. And it might add to the whole, like, delegitimacy of this season. But I feel like we're going to see it this year where, like, a <clears throat> not a team <clears throat> from L.A. who always starts <laughs> off cold every damn year. And it always gives me false hope. But I have that in the back of my mind. I'm thinking there's a possibility some good team is going to start off so bad. And they don't have the whole dog days of summer to catch up because the dog days are already there. 
don't know. What do you guys think about that theory? Because it, it's in the back of my mind now, thinking about how short the season is. Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is how high the Red Sox expectations were heading into last season, coming off the World Series, and how seemingly, I don't want to say easy, but how much they cruised to a World Series title. I can't remember a team kind of facing that little difficulty, at least on paper, uh, to winning a World Series, and then how miserably it started in 2019. Granted, they started on a 11-game West Coast road trip, which is such garbage. We were calling that out in 2018. It's like, they better win this year because they, they ain't next year because they're starting on the road. But again, if you if you start off, let's say, like 3-12, and 12, yeah. a lot of the players, especially if guys, let's say a couple guys in your team also get the coronavirus, a lot of guys are going to be checked out. And I think that's something that we're not quite talking about yet because everyone has a clean slate. But once you get to the point of, you know, 12, 13, 14 games under 500 early, um, which sounds crazy, but it's not. Some of the best teams, I mean, the Nationals last year, what were they, 19 and like 35 or whatever it was. They, they, they were started atrocious for the first two months of the year. They were miserable. And then they go on an all-time run and then somehow win every game in Houston in the World Series. I'll never understand how that happened, especially and likely with things happening that were illegal on the Astros side yeah, just as recently you. as I was just going to say, like if it wasn't the trash can last year, it was the buzzers. I'm, you can't convince me they weren't doing something uh, during the playoffs when they weren't doing the trash can stuff. So it's, it's going to be tricky, um, you know, to really get a feel for how good or bad these teams are going to be uh, before we actually start playing, because we're not going to know the full rosters. But once we get there, man, if you start off three and 12, three, 13, five and, you know, 15, a lot of guys are going to kind of be like, oh, man, let's just maybe let's just look forward to a full year in 2021. And and whoever wins this year, hats off to you, because it's going to be tough travel wise and tough, um, you know, just with the pandemic makes everything tough. So it's it, you're, you're going to have respect from your fellow players if you can win this thing. But I think a lot of guys are going to check out sooner than they ever would. Yeah, I think also the teams that. Struggle with injuries like the one over in New York that I have such an affinity for. Mm. Like, if two of their big players go down for what would be like a 15-day IL streak, um, that's a quarter of the season. I know. That is very how, cra- how crazy is that? How crazy is that? An I IL stint. That's, <laughs> that's a quarter of the season. That's the first time I've ever thought of that. I, that's like, insane. I read 60 games. I was like, oh, that's still kind of long. But I read 15-day IL, you're missing about a quarter of the season. I'm telling you, like, a, a series, basically each win is like a series win in, like, a real season. That's a huge deal. That's an enormous deal. You could have a team that's not exactly expected to make a ton of noise, um, you know, start off hot, like the like the friggin' Mariners last year, and all of a sudden you're 15-2. and two. And you're the front runner to win the World Series. And it's not even that crazy to say that. Like, you're the front runner to have, like, home field throughout. And, you know, the best record in the bigs and host the World Series and everything. And not that it means much without the home field. But um, still, the comfort level of playing at your own park in those important games means something. I just I, – I, I'm, like, thinking about all this because you're right. Like, last year, I think my team started off hot. And they, as usual, in August, they go – Actually, yep. As as usually, what happens under uh, any kind of Diamondbacks uh, t- season, and then you have you know you have LA who starts off with like their 500 record. But Kev's right. I have also have a theory though. Maybe our guys gonna start playing through injuries a little more if it's not like a major injury, like those. 
oh, I got a little elbow soreness. They're going to be like, um, I basically won't play the whole season if my team's contending. Why would I sit out for elbow soreness? Like when like guys will sit up for 15 days because it's in a full season because it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a sprint now. It's a 400-meter yeah. dash instead of a, a marathon. So I could see, you know, like a guy, I don't know, maybe a guy like Harper who like, you know, maybe took a hard hit going into home plate saying, all right, I'm going to play the play through with my elbow soreness or abrasion on my elbow because I need to get my t- the Phillies into the playoffs. I, I mean, it's that's all situational, though, because if you if you have a star on a team like Mike Trout's a great example on a team that doesn't have a history of going deep in the playoffs or even making the playoffs, if you're going to have a legitimate injury and and your team stinks, there's not a lot of incentive to try to get back for this season. There really isn't. Like, you're going to be rushing back to try to ruin future full seasons, at least on paper. Years after this, we're going to be back to 162. I don't think there's a lot of benefit there. Um, but I think you can make the case for, let's say you're playing for um, – Basically, any of the contenders. If you're on the Nats, if you, I still think the Astros uh, are going to be really good. Like, if you're on one of the best teams in baseball, there's something to be said about, all right, well, worst case, let's say you get hurt on, like, the 1st of August. You're like, okay, like, or not that I meant uh, September, 1st of September, a month into the season. You're like, yeah, worst case, I got two months left. Like, to, to those guys, that's only a third of the year for your for your baseball season. So I think a lot of guys can grind it out and play through these injuries that they're used to having in September. And if that's only the first one they're getting during the course of a season, it's easier to justify uh, if you really think you have a chance of winning at all. With the shortened season, do either you think that we're going to see the win percentage record change? Because right now it's 763 by the 1906 Cubs. But does anyone talk about that? I feel like everyone talks about the win number, right? Yeah, yeah. but there's going to be one team that has nothing else going for them, and they're just going to try and claim that they have the highest win percentage in baseball. That's 50, That's 46 wins. Yeah, it's going to be hard to do, though. That's going to be so hard. Like, 46 and 14 is yikes. It's I mean, the like Sox, the Sox are going to do it. But, but so, Sox are 60 and 0. We're, we're not counting that. Don't worry. But Kev, I, I mean, you're... let's just let's get the obvious out of here. Outside the Sox, we're going like at worst 50 and 10 then I understand these other teams trying to get it, but the Sox already got it. I mean, Kev, have you told Steve you're an honorary Diamondbacks fan for the season, or are you going to let that one slide for the— Oh, I, uh, Jared, I didn't tell you. That's probably not happening. My lady friend is a diehard Sox fan, so I can't. Traitor. I'm sorry. I'm thinking with a well, different fine. head this time. Be miserable in last place. It's fine. Or second. Oh, sorry. The Orioles in your division. You'll be okay. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be, exactly. We always have the O's. We got the O's. <laughs> It's like we always have the we well now it's the Giants but there's always one shit team in the in the NL West every year so used to be used to be the D Rays before they got cute and cut the devil out of the name but yeah it went from went from the the D Rays to the Orioles that was a smooth transition granted the O's got us a couple times the O's have had a couple good teams in the last like ten to fifteen but by a couple I mean like two yeah and then they find a way to literally blow it up and have no plan to rebuild it. Yeah, and Chris Davis just decides to be terrible for the rest of his life. I'm and telling like you, his mid to late twenties. <laughs> like, come those, on, man. those amphetamines, man, they keep you hitting home runs. <laughs> he had an all time. Remember, we went to uh, that series early in the season last year when he had that all time hitless streak going. It was in like the fifties or sixties or something. I'm like, dude, this guy, the money that he signed for him to be having an O for fifty streak is like, how was that even physically possible? How was he not running into a hit? I couldn't believe it. He finally got one at Fenway. Um, 
But, like, talk about a guy that just fell off the face of the earth. Chris Davis, one of the best players in the bigs, at least the, one of the best power hitters. Oh, and yeah. then, he, then he couldn't hit a home run to save his life. It was crazy. It, it, now he now there's another Chris Davis who actually hits a lot of home runs out in Oakland. You know, nobody talks about I know. Him. Now he's not even close to the most important Chris Davis, even though, yeah, the Oakland guy should get way more love than he does. By the way, the Oakland Chris Davis, if we're talking funky stat stuff, I think he – let me let me look this up. I got to confirm. But I'm pretty sure he had the same batting average for like three or four seasons in a row, which is absolutely insane. He hits uh, – he hit 247 four years in a row. Holy like shit. Like that – how do you even <laughs> – and he was doing like more the year before. I out here at the end of the season to keep it the same. He was – he almost did in 2014 too. So he was very close to having five straight seasons with the same exact average. I love funky baseball stats. That's one of the weirdest ones I've seen. Oh, I have one. I was actually looking this up to see if it was possible because I – I assume pitchers are going to have less rest this year because of the shortened season. Yeah. They're not going to be pitching back-to-back nights, but like a three-day rest maybe. I was looking up to see if there was a potential that some stud pitcher could break the wins record in a season. No, it's almost impossible. Uh, wins record is 59 in a season. Yeah, it's not happening. That's not happening. What year? 1884 set by Charles Old Hoss Radburn. Well, that's my guy. <laughs> I love Old Yo, Haas. That's the best nickname of all time, Old Haas. There's oh, actually some discrepancy about how many games he won. Some say 59, some say 60, some say 62. No one knows, but he won at least 59 games in 1884. So, Kev, was that a bonus round of weird shit in sports? That was. All right. Oh, I wonder if this dude served in the Civil War. Nah, he was 11 when it ended. Never mind. It was a good chance. You never know. <laughs> I was dreaming. Possible. I was hoping. Oh my god. Anything's possible. I'm trying. I'm trying to see who the last one of my dad's uh, a guy that he kind of grew up watching was. I think the last 30 <laughs> game winner. It's been a while though. 30 30 dubs does not really happen. Uh, I gotta find this. Anyway, Dizzy yeah. Dean. No, I can't be it. That was 1934. He's not that old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna find this guy. I'm committed like, to finding. It's the gotta last be like a game. Bob Gibson or something like that. It's like something from like the, maybe the 60s. Uh, I, I'm blanking on his name because we went to Cooperstown. I went three years in a row to see Pedro inducted, then Griffey, and then just brought some friends in 2017. And my dad was talking with one of these guys that had a 31 season. 31 season is insane. Like that, just being able to pull that off is is ridiculous. I, I don't know how you can possibly do it, but um, I'm going to find him. Denny McLean, that's his name. He was, uh, I believe, Hall of Fame pitcher for the Tigers. 31 wins in 1968. That's insane. That's also got to be like that's those the Al K Al Kaline was still playing for the Tigers at that point, right? Or was that way past his time? No, uh, I think Kaline was earlier, but you could you could get me mistaken there. I, I try to. That's one thing with like baseball trivia that can kill me is that I get I've spent all of my life studying the guys that I've watched. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't like go home and like study up on like the 1940s Reds. <laughs> like I I do love when they try to sneak those past you with like name this pitcher from the modern you know from the dead ball era. I'm like no I'm not gonna. Yeah, <laughs> so, no. It's not. I was looking at Denny McLean's Wikipedia page. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Oh, he's not in the Hall of Fame. So he must have been chilling that weekend. So well, he won. He was a three-time All-Star, World Series champion. 
AL MVP, two-time Cy Young winner in back-to-back years, two-times um, wins leader back-to-back years, but he also was associated with organized crime and was convicted on charges of embezzlement. <laughs> so I think that's why. Well, only, only in the MLB is like, you know, where we still have the same issues with, you know, Pete Rose and everything else in this game. So, I mean, I mean, li- I mean, listen, Belly of Sports fully endorses getting Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. So that's just the easy one. But that's the, wait, like, so what? Like he was connected to the mob, Kev? Um, <laughs> apparently post-major league career, um, one, oh, he was, he hustled golf. He was paid $160,000 to fly a wanted felon out of the country. Knew it. Um, oh, after playing, his weight ballooned to 330 pounds. He was imprisoned for drug trafficking, cocaine, embezzlement, and racketeering. Holy shit. Being over three bills has to be tough. I'm probably as big as I've ever been just because of quarantine season, but like 300 is tough. I can't, That's, that's got to be a lot. When I was in college, I came close. I was about 20 off. It, it, it hurt. Well, 20, okay, I, th- I think you were going to be like 295. 20 off, you're good. You're good. I mean, I'm only, Steve, I'm only 5'11", man. Still rocking 280. I know. That's, that's a, a lot. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot to be carrying on the 5'11 oh frame. God. But I, 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 can, I, can, I can normally hide it being 6'2". But, uh, yeah, that, that, is, that is tough. See, I'm only 5'7", so I really can't hide it. <laughs> it's yes. bad dude it's it, the quarantine's been tough it's just like any walking or any exercise i would have gotten by default it's out the window um ordering food's gone up i mean it's all it's all tough i mean like i was like praying to the gods when my gym opened up i haven't missed a day since i've been like <laughs> just like a rabid dog trying to get in there after work <laughs> all right kev you got something weird for me Oh, boy, do I. Oh, I'm ecstatic. Steve, this is going to be a good one. Let's go. It's about a man named Harry Hateman. He pitched in one professional game in 1918. June or July 1918. Mm -hmm. He faced four batters. Did not get a single batter out. And all four got home. So he is one of the few men in baseball history who have an ERA of infinity. After that game, he was pulled, and instead of sitting in the dugout or just going to the clubhouse and hanging out, he went to the clubhouse, packed up all his shit, and enlisted in the Navy. <laughs> and this was still while World War I was going on, because that did not end until November. So during a war, this man decided, wow, I suck at baseball. I'm going to go fight the Kaiser. I like it. There's a couple of uh, athletes that have played for my teams that wish have done that. <coughs> Brandon McCarthy. Um, There's a couple him. guys who have played for my teams that I wish didn't do that. You know, Ted God. Williams. Should we tell him about our home run derby debate that you basically screamed at me about <laughs> Ted Williams for 20 minutes? Listen, uh, what do we got? What do we got? Did you okay. see the MLB what if home run derby? Uh, yeah. Have they? Did they finish that? Did I just like? I miss don't know. The I I boycotted it. Yeah, I we feel like wait, actually now that you bring that up, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna do some research, but I feel like they just like stopped posting about that. I think uh, it got such a bad feedback because half their admissions were so bad. Because yeah. like you're talking about when they had guy they had like what David Ortiz versus Mike Trout, and then Ken Griffey Jr. versus like 
Uh, Yelich. Are you talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. It was... I, I love the MLB account because they shout out Section 10 stuff, but, like, it was – it was a good attempt because, like, I'm not against anyone that's trying to make content right now. It's not – we've been trying our best, but it's not easy, and I'm, I'm sure you guys are trying to do everything you can. It's not easy when there's no games mm-hmm. going on. So I'm not going to ever really rip on quarantine content um, unless, unless, guys, it's the Cut4 account doing those stupid-ass, not-funny, fake Photoshop of the hat things that's intentionally looks stupid. They've been doing that for, like, four years. It was never funny, and they do it every time a free agent signs. Oh, we got the first new look at what he's going to be like in the hat. It's not funny. It's never been funny, and they tweet it every single time, and it uh, it infuriates me. That, that account used to be a lot of fun, and I hate it now. True. I actually unfollowed them like last year because I was just just sick of watching. They do, it. they do too much stupid stuff. Like it's, I feel like whoever they started having running that account, they got too into like the make baseball quote unquote fun again thing. And you're just do, no, you're you're making this account stupid. Like this cut four was always a really cool account for like the quirky baseball stuff, but not over the top. They would post like a Adrian Beltre um, best moments or something like that, funniest moments. Instead of something stupid like this, the the hat Photoshop thing that was never funny, but it gets engagement from loser baseball people. Yeah, I honestly, Adrian Beltre is like one of my favorite players of all time. Oh, I, love I, I, still, love I still see him in the Elvis, Elvis Andrew Coral like compilation videos all the time, and it makes me so happy watching them hang out. <clears throat> Hilarious yeah. comp. Oh my god. Um, but we were. Judging them for the what if derby weird, I specifically had a big issue with their selections for this. Yeah. Because initially they didn't say like, oh, we're doing old school versus new school, new school. But even with the old school, they didn't make the right choices. What was the actual? What was the full list? Because Hank Aaron's on there, right? Oh, yeah. The what Aaron, if the yeah. what if derby? Are they? Wow, they're going so slow with this. I'm trying – so I think one of the last things they posted, and this was around – this was a couple days after the George Floyd death, after the passing of George Floyd. And so obviously Twitter was basically oh, posting yeah. posting anything posting anything you were screwed. Yeah. And they posted a what-if home run derby. Uh, can Bryce Harper pull off the upset over Hank Aaron, which is – just not the time to be posting that. I don't think they really, I don't think they really thought that one through. And some people replied like, "Really? Can this white guy beat this black guy?" It's like, don't, don't. Um, and so I think honestly, guys, if I'm not mistaken, I think since that tweet, they stopped doing the what if moment. Oh, that's awesome. That was May 31st. It's been a month because, like, I would notice this stuff. I notice all the things they post about because, for the most part, I really like the account. But the second they tweeted that, I was like, uh-oh. Oh, God. <laughs> Especially because it's like, no, Hank Aaron is the, the real home run king. Like, come on. I I, I am just like, oh, oh that's shit. That's <laughs> how cold had to be. Dude, like, you talk about a foot and mouth. Like, I, like... I failed out of my PR class in college, and I knew that's a bad idea. Yeah, it's tough. I think a lot of times you get so caught up in – and I, I notice this a lot of Bleach Report. 
you because uh, sometimes you can get so caught up in your plan, your content plan, yeah. that you kind of forget that you need to. Twitter is real time. Twitter is not. Twitter is not a content plan. Twitter is a maybe have some content ready and then do it if it fits the live time. Don't just yeah. do it because you said, hey, guys, a week from today, we're posting this what if graphic. So um, that was a swing and a miss, pun intended there. But I think they have stopped doing it since then. But what was your guys overall take on it? Because I love I, I do like the idea and I think it's the ultimate thing that's going to get people bitching on Twitter, which is not bad. My bit, we both had two very big people we didn't like. My favorite all-time player and his favorite all-time player, ironically. My favorite all-time hitter is not actually from the Diamondbacks. He's from the Yankees because I grew up around Yankees fans. But this guy is such a folk hero to me, I had to put him in there. It's freaking Mickey Mantle. The guy had a 600-foot home run, and he's not in the home run. Are you kidding me? The guy had more power than Thor the actual deity, not the... <laughs> and, and, I thought and you were going to say, like, Giambi or something. I was like, who's he going for here? <laughs> no, the Mick. The guy had more power from both sides of the plate than most hitters do today. And I yeah. will let Kev go on his 45-minute rant mark two for uh, Ted Williams. My biggest issue was, like, we're going to talk about some of the best power hitters of all time. Yes, the guy was a drunk. Yes, he was a hick. But the dude hit the ball so damn hard. I have a poster on my wall that my grandmother got me from the Bronx I mean, it in snowballs at a stadium. What kind of psychopath does that? I love that. I the, Anytime you go uh, old school baseball, it's the best because these guys were doing stuff that you're just never going to see today. The passion for the game was insane. Um, but it's tough. I, at the end of the day, I think there were 16 guys in the bracket. That's not easy. Baseball has been around for like 5 million years. Picking 16 home run hitters is not easy and I think their goal was to take, like, all-time guys yeah. and then throw them against, like, the swag young guys like Bellinger and Yelich and obviously Trout and, you know, guys from, like, like Judge. Like, guys like Judge that get hurt every year and that suck. Kev, do you want to read your, our bracket or do you want to do it? I can read our bracket. Steve, we did 32, Steve. 32. Damn. 32. What? Time for that. <laughs> Jared, I have it pulled up in front of me. Go for it. Mine's handwritten, so go for it. So I I put this together in like five minutes and it's better than the MOBs. Jared had a couple additions, subtractions. So yeah. find it. We have Babe Ruth versus Pete Alonzo. I like that. Mickey Mantle versus Mike Trout. Okay. A Rod versus Eugenio Suarez. Willie Mays, Bryce Harper. McGuire, Vladdy Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. versus Mookie. Miggy versus Arenado. Ted Williams versus Acuna. And then Bonds and Bregman. Pujols and Schwarber. Manny Ramirez and Yelly. Sammy Sosa and Judge. Frank Robinson and Bellinger. Ortiz versus JD. Uh, Tommy versus Donaldson. And then Aaron versus Peterson. I like that. Yeah. I mean, the only thing we changed, I think we changed Jock Peterson. Who? Do, I think we changed him out for Donaldson. Or was Donaldson another one? Donaldson was another one. Donaldson went up against Tommy and Peterson went up against Aaron. There oh, was one that you. We pulled, we put Donaldson in because we pulled somebody who didn't really hit. Oh, we pulled Freddie Freeman. Yeah, that's right. Because I put it together, like I said, in five minutes. I made a stink about Freddie Freeman. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm so used to defending him against Goldschmidt when he used to play for the Diamondbacks, but. 
I have never been really a true fan of Freddie Freeman's game as a slugger. I love his game as a complete player, but to say he's a slugger, he used to be a doubles and like just getting on base kind of hitter where his home runs jumped over the last two years. That's why I made us think about it. But yeah, Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman's a fun player though. I, he seems like a really cool dude. He, they had him mic'd up for a Red Sox uh, spring training game. And he's, he's been mic'd up a couple times, really funny guy, but yeah, home run, home run wise. No, I think for me, I just want to go through the list they have and delete guys that shouldn't be on here. Like I, again, I understand the approach. I get what they were doing, yeah. but I don't, Mike Trout can get out of there. We're talking about home run derby. We're not talking one of the best players ever. Those are different things. Pete Alonso, you got You're a rookie. Get out of here. You got to do long term. He had a great season. Seems like a great dude. Nothing against him. Uh, Bryce Harper. I'm also taking Bryce off of there. Not like trust me. I didn't want to take Bryce off, but I'm more talking about. I I, I just want this to be an all time bracket and guys that have actually done the home run derby. I guess Bryce did win it, but does he do it much? I, outside of the Nationals year, did he do it much? He's only really had one shot at. Also. The home run derby's changed the last couple of years. I, I I know you've noticed this, but like now they're starting to pull stars. A couple of years ago, they had like random guys I've never heard of in the in the home run derby. When I was a kid, I remember like it was like Frank, it was like Ryan Howard versus three scrubs and Josh Hamilton. I was like, the I hell know. is going on here? They they do mix it up a lot. Actually, more I think about it, I'll keep Harper in there. Bellinger though, Bellinger can go. Not, nothing against him. Yelich has no business being in here. Uh, Vladdy Jr.'s got to go just based off of the, again, your rookie first year thing. You got to go. Um, I don't know. The rest of these guys, I guess Frank Thomas, even though I don't think about him as a home run hitter, like he, I, I just, uh, Frank Thomas, I guess I think about him as a home run hitter, but not a home run derby hitter. Uh, those are completely different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that, that leaves me with, and Babe Ruth isn't on their list, which is weird. Like, I don't know how Babe Ruth didn't make the, the home run derby thing they're doing, but that leaves me with David Ortiz, Mark McGuire, Hank Aaron, I'll keep Bryce Harper, Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey Jr., Vladimir Guerrero, uh, Aaron Judge, I'll keep him because of just what he's meant to the home run game over the last uh, three years, A-Rod, Giancarlo, I th- actually, I'm yeah, I don't want Frank Thomas in the home run derby, especially all time, like, they don't, I'm just trying to see the holes in this, there's no Sosa, no Babe Ruth, um, Where's who are the other obvious ones? Um, oh, there's, there's, I mean, Manny Ramirez would be great in this. I mean, the problem is also Manny's home run average is fluctuated so much. I know. Uh, I'm trying to think, you know what the problem is with home runs? You have like a couple of guys who lead the league every year, uh, like a year or two. Oh, Pujols was in it. Pujols should be in there. Absolutely. Pujols, um, there's one that I'm – why am I blanking? There's someone I'm blanking on right now. Uh, oh, Canseco. Get a get yeah. Canseco. <laughs> Guy literally had biceps the size of my freaking head. <laughs> Canseco was – I remember the longest home run I ever saw hit uh, would have been probably 96, 97. It was one of my first, like, games I ever went to or remember going to at least. Canseco hit one into the lights at Fenway. And I just remember looking at my dad like, did he just hit it into the lights? <laughs> like, because no one does that. Like, no one hits a ball into the lights at Fenway. Mark McGuire barely did it in the home run derby. Um, so that was absolutely insane. But granted, he was on all the stuff. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, the longest, they're too long. I've only seen, the one, longest I saw live, I hit, I saw A-Rod against the Diamondbacks hit one off the face of the upper deck at Yankee Stadium, left field. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, I'm, I'm in the front row of my buddy. I'm like, you know, I got my D-backs jersey on. My buddy's a Yankees fan. 
and I look up and I see it hit off the top of the oven. I go like, he hit that there? Yeah. It was it was ridiculous. I think Levon Hernandez was pitching and he just absolutely belted that fastball off the face. And the other one I saw was Justin uh, Justin Upton, my boy, off of Jason Marquise, hit this ball. Who is that? No, Isringhausen was pitching Isringhausen. for the Mets in 2011 and hit a ball to the second deck back corner left center field at Chase. I think it was like 496. Maybe it was, 500, it was over 500. It was long, I ever saw Longest ball I ever saw on live TV was like, oh, I saw it hit the back of the catwalk. I was like, wait, what? Where <laughs> There's oh. certain – I feel like it doesn't happen as much anymore. Like, I I don't remember the last, like, recent bomb I've seen. Like, it was normally Dave Ortiz, but Fenway doesn't make lefty homers look cool. Like, you could, no, you could crush it. It's, what's up? It looks like wiffle ball shots. Like, it's just like you see it just kind of like nosedive into that short porch. Yeah, it's it like, just kind of goes uh, out there into the crowd and, like, the the marker might be long. Like, it might be a legitimate bomb, but the bleachers take a while to go back. I mean, don't even get me started on the red seat. Like, that's the biggest load of crap of all time. But, um, but yeah, I that's the thing. Like, if, if, if Poppy was a righty, then I think I'd be like, oh, I remember this night, that night, the other night when, you know, he hit – absolute boom bombs but yeah right field at Fenway can make your home run look kind of pedestrian I mean from games I watched last year I remember Marte my boy could tell hit a moonshot to right center I can't remember I think it was eight rows behind the pool or something like that it was like it was like 480 it was like a and then the other one Christian Walker who just came out of freaking nowhere I have a buddy who used to work for this D-backs the D-backs organization when he was in college I go to the gym with him over in uh, Danbury here in Connecticut, and I'm like, he's like, dude, you need to watch this Walker kid. He's going to hit bombs. He goes, the only reason he's in the play is because, you know, he sat behind for three years in the Adderley system. So yeah. he, I remember the first game I watched live, and it was against the, um, oh, God, it was some East Coast team. I can't remember. It might have been the Braves. Hit a ball off the front of the Chili's in left center <laughs> field. I'm just like, What? Let's let's be let's be honest though. Let's be honest though. Regardless, that that home run could have been 250 feet. If you say that a guy hit a ball off a of Chili's, then it sounds like it's 800 feet. <laughs> it's like, Chili's. That's just the last thing I remember. I think it was 06. Cody Ransom hit one off that too, and I'm just like. I I that restaurant changes names every four years because it's Chase if, Field, man. But I feel oh like if, even if you made it up, even if you made it up, you could say insert player here hit a ball off of like a chain restaurant. You'd be like, wow, that must have been at least seven hundred. He <laughs> hit he hit it off he, he hit it off a of TGI Fridays. <laughs> yeah, he hit it off he hit off the center logo of the their, their, of the of the eye, and it, nope, now it's not lighting up anymore. This guy hit an Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, the apple fell off. Apple fell off, guys. See, we had to refix the sign. But uh, yeah, that's if you hit it off at Chili's, you definitely got into it. <laughs> oh my God! I mean, the, I can't even name Vladdy Junior home runs because those just aren't fair. Or Trumbo. Well, yeah, yeah, there's no way to put it in Trumbo. His the speed. Yeah, Trumbo hits bombs absolutely. But Vladdy Junior, the the contact is so aggressive. It is like the sound off his bat. I can't compare it to anybody. I don't think I've seen him live yet. Um, cause he didn't play obviously all of last year, but it, it's just ridiculous. It's like a bullet and, and he hits bullets too. He's hit some homers that just get out in like two seconds. 
like like literally two seconds. He just step out the box and the ball's out over the fence already. Yeah, and and he obviously takes a while, you know, to get around the bases. But what a what a what a big dude. I I love Vladdy Jr. for the game. Ideally, he can become more of a somewhat more of an average guy instead of just like up oh, here he is in the home run derby again. But um, yeah, it's it's good to see. I love the father son thing in the majors. That that that's always nice, especially nothing's gonna really top Griffey. You know, right. senior and junior going deep in the same game, but it is cool to see Vladdy Jr. doing his thing now. How was that? Did you watch you watch the documentary? Yeah, it was good. It was good. I mean, I'm like the biggest Griffey guy ever, so it's I can't say that I saw a lot of things in there that were like new. Um, I kind of had seen all of that. The I would never play for the Yankees thing was really good. I had never seen that. That was awesome. Um, but Griffey's just so smooth. My biggest beef, well, not beef. That's not the right way because I like the I like the doc. Uh, I guess my biggest critique is a different. It just kind of seemed more like a collection of stuff instead of like a, we're looking back on his career with a single sit down interview type, which most documentaries are, where it's like we're going to ask you about everything in present day. And so I don't know. That's why it was a little weird to me when like we're seeing all these different versions of Griffey talk about Griffey. I'd rather just like one like give me like a 2019 Griffey interview about his entire career instead of all these different versions. But um overall it was good i think they could have done per usual i always think some things could have been done a little differently but it was it encompasses his career very well get lebron out of there lebron has nothing to do with ken griffey jr like the only connection they're going to say is like oh a young phenom dealing with the pressure whatever you you could have gotten anybody to do that um way too much Bron. didn't need that wait how much was he in the actual documentary i didn't get to see it he was in a good amount. He was in just too much. He shouldn't have been in it. Let's be honest. LeBron and Griffey, there's no <laughs> – what's the connection? That they're both stars at one point? <laughs> like, come on. Well, I mean, Steve, you may not know this, but I am a leader of the Kobe's Better Than LeBron fan club. I've been driving that horse for like 10 years now. I, too much LeBron just makes me sick to my stomach. So you just gave me a warning now when I watched that documentary. But yeah. uh, I, I would like to oh out, I hate LeBron, but that's just a wrong take, Jared. I've been having this take since before you joined the show, Kevin. Yeah, and it's Mark been wrong the whole time. That's a whole, that's a whole other podcast. That's, that's the a whole other time that take was right from like 2003 to maybe like 2010. You could make that argument just because of rings. It's a long stretch. Still it is. I will still drive that bus until until it crashes. <clears throat> Do it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm still driving that bus, man. And uh, Jordan is still the go. I, I, but like with like – that's good to see that actually like – I guess if I was going to see a documentary done like that with Griff without like with different years and stuff, I almost want like a 30 for 30 style where it's they're talking about it. Like you said, one separate timeline. So when I watch the U or Reggie versus the New York Knicks or even the front, even the um, the George Steinbrenner one, which literally put me to sleep. That documentary knocked me out cold in college sober. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's tough. Oh my God. So, but like at least those had like the singular talking point. I guess it would be irritating for me. Oh, that's Griffey in 87. Oh, great. That's Griffey in 05. Wait, why am I going back to 88? Why? This doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, they, they didn't go that far. I, I think they, they, all the interviews were post career, but I, I think all of them. But it just looked weird to me when like he very clearly was in like different shape in these interviews. So like they were done at least a handful of years apart. Um, that just felt more of like a collection that felt more of like a thing you throw together in a quarantine, which makes sense. Like, I I understand like, that's not like a, 
you know, a fully planned out documentary that they've been doing for a while. It was probably like, all right, we have all these interviews about Ken Griffey Jr. Let's throw it together type of thing. But they probably have had the wheels going on this for three or four years, at least four years since he got inducted in 2016. Um, and then from there, you know, they, they got to this hour and a half documentary, which is it's good. It's worth a watch. I wish there was more new stuff that I hadn't seen or didn't know, but I think that's what The Last Dance has done to us. It just makes us want all this behind-the-scenes footage that might not even exist. There you go. Um, I'm going to put some out there. I think that Seattle team with A-Rod, Johnson, and Griff may be one of the best teams to never win a World Series. Oh, it's got to be. It's got to it, be. It's gotta I mean, be you, you look back – well, you look back at it. You had Edgar Martinez, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, Jay Buhner, A-Rod – they they were they were loaded. Randy Johnson, the pitching was kind of the problem. Outside of Randy, they didn't have a bunch of studs on the mound, and that's why you don't make it past the DS. But um, well, what they got past there once in '95. But yeah, it's it's tough for the Mariners because I don't look at the Mariners as a trash organization, but they have the longest playoff drought of any of the major four sports, which is nuts. Like after winning what 116 games and. And oh one, they haven't made the playoffs, which is insane to me because I don't look at them as being like a garbage team. <laughs> but they've just been mediocre for a while. I think they could make a thirty for thirty off of the O one season. Like that season was insane. You had Nuts. home run records, you had guys on roids, you had the tragedy of nine eleven, you had the freaking Mariners going one sixteen oh, and you had a team an expansion team winning the whole title. In Game yeah. 7 on a walk-off, that whole season should have been a 30-for-30. 30 30. Yeah, or at least the ESPN does all these versions now, like all these versions of documentaries I, where you get the 30-for-30. 30 30. Yeah, I know. I saw ESPN Plus yesterday. I was like, wait, there's different versions of it now? They do. They got 30-for-30. 30 30. They have 30-for-30 30 30 shorts. They have the backstory thing. They did that LeBron, I guess you call it documentary on Sunday, looking back at uh, 10 years ago from the decision. So, they do have a lot of different versions of it, but I think ESPN has done a good job of kind of captivating audiences on Sunday nights during the pandemic. They had that run of, of 30 for 30s. I don't think the Lance Armstrong one did nearly as well as they thought it would. That didn't get as much attention. I didn't really see that buzzing on Twitter that much because I think everyone just universally hates that guy now um, and has for a while. But with LeBron, you're always going to get eyes watching that. The The last dance was incredible. So I do like that they moved the last dance up. That was the right move. And I just miss like I, I'm growing up. There was a lot more of like you gotta watch it now. Like if you don't watch live, you feel like you're missing out. And then when Twitter became part of it, it's like oh, not only do we all need to watch this now, but we all need to have our like live takes, and we have to try to crush it with these live takes. And the Last Dance was so good for that because we all got to like relive the Jordan era, like it was happening live. So that was really cool. I mean, you'd be proud of me. I'm buying the subscription for the single team MLB.tv this year so I can watch every single Diamondbacks game on my Xbox when I get home. It's happening. But, okay, so for last call, let's kick that uh, smooth jazz. Um, we're going to debate, guys. This is it. Everyone's going to bring forward their own here. Who is – we always talk about – There's there. I was having this conversation over the weekend while I was camping with a couple of uh, friends of my dad's. I said, hey – Who's they said there's only a couple goats in sports and I'm like all right cool and they're like Jordan I'm like yes Ali yes and then I think the other one we said yeah it was Brady so I'm like does baseball have a goat because in my head I have like four options I, I could say and 
My four, when it comes to my mind, because like every position is different. When it comes to pitcher, it's so weird because like Koufax had such a short career and Tommy John ended it for him. But I said the other day to my buddy, I'm like, Randy Johnson's the goat of all lefty pitchers. And there's like, he's like, yeah, no denying it. I'm like, all right, cool. My favorite player is the goat of something. <laughs> but like then when I'm talking about all baseball, the three names that come to my mind are Griff, Bonds, and Aaron. As much as you hate Bonds for his steroids, the guy was a monster at the plate even before the roids. Oh, absolutely. And, and his contact was impeccable. Contact doesn't get changed by your by steroids. Your strength does, which is the craziest thing to me. The guy, like his strikeout numbers were so, were never like what they are for most modern players. And he also walked the length of the Golden Gate Bridge. That's some really damn good discipline. That is that is very good. That's a far distance. I mean, and, a lot of those were also intentional walks. I, I was gonna—that was my follow-up point. Some of them were intentional, but the guy also had like the one of the best eyes in baseball. And then when you look at Aaron, all-time home run king, top—is he like all number two or he might be number one RBI still? I'm not sure. He's like top five in uh, I think extra base hits as well. And the guy played for 22 freaking years, or 24 years, and was still hitting 20 dingers as like a 42-year-old. I'm like, that's incredible to me. And then last is Griff. Griff is probably the last, because I'm sorry, I can't put Trout there yet until Trout does something. Because to me, Trout wasn't a star. Griffey was a pure star, and you as a Griffey nut will say the same thing. Yes, A-Rod was a star, and Harper sort of a star, but like, Griffey... Like, Griffey had his own sneaker line, man. As a sneaker... Griffey, I, Griffey was like a culture. He wasn't. <laughs> like, the yeah. Swing Man. Everyone knows who the Swing Man is. You see that logo, cool. you know what it is. And I, I got to put Griffey in that conversation almost like LeBron because he gets thrown in the go conversation because he may not have the titles that or like the records that because baseball is more about records than titles. He may not have the records that Bonds and Aaron do, but... He has just the, the brand and the star power. You, If you watched any baseball in your life, you know who Griffey is. So what do you guys think about those three? Is like the three up there is like the in the GOAT conversation for baseball. I think that works. I, I think having them, um, it also represents a couple different eras, which is nice. But the reason we don't really have the GOAT talk in baseball is because there's too many factors. There's different versions of the game, different eras of the game. Um, the steroid era very much clouds the discussion because goat talk has really been more of a last 20, 30 years thing. It's not really, I don't think my dad was like, who's the goat? Uh, so I, I really do think that it's a more recent discussion. It's kind of from that. It's hard to compare steroid era guys with other guys. And also titles don't mean as much in baseball because it's way more of a, a team sport than a player generated title. So it's really hard to, to decipher. I think Barry Bonds, you can't go wrong there. I believe, what, seven MVPs? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever steroids helped him do, it, it, it didn't, it didn't uh, you know, diminish from the fact that he's one of the greatest players, just pure baseball players all around, especially before he got uh, got older with the Giants, but all-around players that we've ever seen. Griffey, Griffey meant so much for the game, but he also just meant so much for the attention the sport got. Like when I I think goat baseball talk I more think of just guys that I think of when I say baseball, so Babe Ruth's the first. I, if I think baseball, it's Babe Ruth. Like he's he's like the all-time, he's like a mythical figure, and I think that fits perfectly 
with baseball because it's such a it's an old timey game and it's it's always like oh let me gather around that campfire kids let me tell you a story about babe ruth like it's it's just all about you know what 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 america was before now like way before now so i think ruth uh, sums that up well hank aaron obviously deserved more credit than he got when he was playing um unfortunately probably because of the color of his skin but it is it's a discussion that i don't think we'll have any definitive answer but i do love the three guys you threw up there kev uh, for, with Griffey, I think it's tough because I think he was a great player. But I, when I think of the GOAT, I don't necessarily... I think of their impact outside of the game, but I feel like you being a culture shouldn't make you a GOAT of a sport, I guess. That makes sense. Part of the allure... It, it, it all depends what we what we value for, for greatest. Like, greatest impact, greatest player, greatest accomplishments. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, but uh, when I think baseball, I think America. It's American pastime. It's, it's like the phrase, as American as apple pie, as American as baseball. What's more American than giving up the prime of your career to go defend freedom worldwide? True. I agree. Ted Williams, go. Ted Williams is the epitome of an American man. One of the greatest to ever do it. Went over to the Pacific when Hirohito started acting up. Then... Helped fight communism in Korea. He was a flight instructor for a lot of that, so he was just training guys, but still. Ted Williams, greatest American, greatest baseball player. Also could come back. You, you gotta, you know, you still got the head, so if we can find a way to throw that on a body, uh, those stats might not be done yet. <laughs> oh, he could, by math, might be proven right, he could break the home run record. God, that conversation was insane. All right. 2065 World Series champs, Boston Red Sox, led by MVP Ted Williams. Yeah. And Griff Holt. Oh, <laughs> can't wait. It's going to be incredible. Griff Holt at the age of 50. It's, oh, wait on. on it. Griff, Griff hits moonshots now. You think he's not going to be able to do it at 50? Oh, he'll be able to do it at 50. He's going to be that guy that's just like, ah, give me the bat. Yeah, he's like, just give me the bat, I hit bombs, and then just have somebody else run the bases for me. I'm ready for it. He's not going to have to run the bases. He's just going to have to walk around every time at bat, home run. It's true. Valid point. Alright, well... Jared, you had to know I was bringing up Ted Williams when you talked. I thought better, Kevin, and apparently I was wrong. I love Ted Williams. I think he's one of the greatest baseball players of all time. But I was like, I'm like, and then you brought up serve your catch. I'm like, damn it, Kevin. It's one of the greatest Americans. Listen, it's only because in this show, there's a Ted Williams reference once every two episodes. I get it, Kevin. You like him more than some of your relatives. Especially my mother. There you go. Only, wait, once only every two episodes? I got to bring those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. That's the low numbers. Listen, I bring up Dawkins or Wentz at least once every other episode, so it's fair enough. I'm ending every show now with, and as a reminder, Ted Williams is the greatest baseball player and American ever. I support it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shake my head at that one. All right, Steve, thank you so much for coming on for your third run in the corner booth. Hopefully, when you come on again, we've had a 60 game cluster F of a season, and there's some hilarious playoff scenario. So yeah. it's going to be a good time. And hopefully Kev will have his mustache by then. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to stay committed to it. That's the number one thing I've learned with the mustache is that you can never give up. I didn't have a lot of hope early on. It really took a while to grow in. This has been a couple months. So um, by the end of the season, hopefully this thing is thick and really has even more personality. Uh, and hopefully the Sox are in the playoffs. But we'll see. I may have to bring out like your boy, like uh, your boy Carabas's boy Braden. I may have to bring out just a monster beer by the end of the playoffs. Stop, Jared, you got. I think you should go handlebar. I could so we got do options. It connects oh, options. well like, enough. Like like the sheriff Andrew Chapin, I could so do a handlebar. Please, next time Steve comes on, you got to shave it for a handlebar. I have a yeah. mop of hair. I could so do that with a handlebar. I would please. You should. Okay, do. I would fully okay. support it. I'm not. I'm not coming back on unless you do it. Uh, no, I got one for you. If my Diamondbacks win the World Series, you heard it here, folks. I will literally go full handlebar. Do you know how much that means to me? I have not had my chin clean since I was 17. Okay. If the Diamondbacks win the World Series this year, I will literally shave a chin, a chin, my handlebar. If they make the World Series, I don't know. I'll do something crazy too. I don't know. But if they win this damn thing, I will actually go full handlebar, no sideburns, nothing, just the freaking handlebar. I will do it. You've heard if it they here. Sweep, can you go handlebar and mutton chops? Yes. Perfect. Love <laughs> it. Because that's now that's definitely happening. <laughs> I'm just gonna go down to Arizona. <laughs> put it in the universe. Up. I'm gonna. It's gonna be like it's gonna be game four and bomb Bumgarner's on the mound against I don't know some whoever's pitching for the freaking. Uh, the Astros, but they don't got the trash cans. And <laughs> I'm going to be sitting there like, oh my god, I'm about to have to shave my beard for the first time in five years. Oh hey, you god. never know. You never and then know. after, there's going to be a huge scandal because some random person just put a bunch of PEDs in the Diamondbacks Gatorade all season. That's going to be me. <laughs> Karen Langley arrested on charges of PED distribution in, in Houston, Texas. Oh my Wait god. Wait on it. It's coming. Oh my God! I can. Re- it's tomorrow. A cowherd. Tomorrow's headlines today. All right, Steve. Thank you so much, folks. By the way, we are on Good Pods. Uh, the app it is awesome. Go check it out. Like us. Follow us. Subscribe. Of course, Twitter. Follow Section Ten Pod on Twitter and Instagram. It's always a funny read. Him and Carabas always keep me and Kevin laughing. And Coley Mick. And Coley too. He's that dude. He's, He's seven dude. feet tall, and you can't teach that. Can't teach it. Especially to Kevin. <laughs> hey, you made an illiterate joke today. I had to make a short joke. I had to do it. I had to do it. I'm making my last stand with my last short joke. Alright. I'm Jared. That's Kevin. That's Steve. We're out. Hey guys, Jared. Thanks for checking out the Corner Booth Pod. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. This podcast is brought to you by the Belly Up Podcast Network.